Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4. This will be our 36, excuse me, 36 message in the series covering all of the truth of Scripture. And we've been dealing with this subject starting last Sunday, the justice of God. Is God a just God? And reading from Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4, we read these words. He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. Now in our last assembly on this subject, we dealt with the question, is God ever unrighteous? or unjust in his ways. How has he revealed himself? And we found that the Lord is righteous in all of his ways, and holy in all of his works. Shall not he render to every man according to his works? So God has revealed himself as a just God. What do you mean, Pastor Gabriel, when you speak of justice? We mean a person or a country, a system, which goes by laws. Whatever the law is, then that is what is expected out of people to obey that law. And when that law is broken, then whatever has been established as the penalty for that, then the law upholds that penalty. And it does it for all men alike equally. An unjust system is when that someone may commit a crime and then be able to pay the judge or have some way of getting away with escaping the penalty of that crime. Now when we're talking about the justice of God, we're discussing the subject, is God a just God and does he deal with everyone according to what they have done and according to their deserts? And we found out that this is what God reveals, that he does right and that he does not do wrong. We dealt last week, though, with a question also of, well, Pastor, there were some things in the Bible which I find hard to reconcile with my conception of justice. I just find it hard to understand some of the things I see going on in the world. And I see crime and murder and I see killing, I see hunger starvation. I see all of these things, and I find it hard to reconcile this with my conception of justice. I see wicked people uh, doing all the, the things that are violating the laws of the land, and I see them escaping this. And then I see seemingly good people suffering uh, when they abide by the law, and I cannot find myself being able to reconcile this with God. If God be a just God, why do all these things occur like this? And we tried to emphasize that we must settle this question once and for all that was asked in Genesis 18.25, Shall not the judge of the earth do right? Shall not the judge of the earth do right? And we must realize that our finite minds are limited and we do not know all of the facts in, in a given case of law. It's always easy for us to judge a particular person, whether they're innocent or guilty, and pass our judgment upon it without being there in the courtroom where all of the facts are given uh, there for them to know. 
And usually our judgments then become faulty because we do not possess all of the facts before us. So the next time that you see a person commit some terrible crime and yet they seem to escape the punishment of it, and the next time you see a seemingly innocent person uh, suffering for something that they appeared not to do, and then you find yourself questioning God, then let us recognize that our minds are but limited and finite. We know not all of his purposes and his ways are past finding out, and so we have to bow before the justice of God and say, Lord, you do right. Now, the Bible is not only a Bible which is given us for doctrine, that is, teaching. But we read in 2 Timothy that the Bible in Scripture, that all Scripture is given as profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction, for reproof, that the man of God may be perfectly furnished throughout unto all good works. So I'd like to spend the remaining minutes today taking this principle that God is just, and make some of these applications in the fashion that the scriptures do. What does this truth of God's justice, how can this reprove us? We are a people that need reproving because we are prone to break the laws and go astray. We are like sheep going astray from the ways of God. Then how can this truth of God's justice reprove us? As a people, as members of the human race, the first way it can reprove us is that it would reprove those who would deny that there is going to be a final day of judgment. There are many, and they are increasing in numbers today, inside and outside of the church, that are coming out and openly denying that there is going to be a final day of judgment at the hands of a righteous and holy God. But my friend, may I say that if God be just, then it demands that there be a day of judgment in court in which that every member of the race then will have to give an account of their actions before God. If there be a God, and if he be a just God, what kind of a God would he be if he allowed all of the iniquities and the wrongdoings that are going about in our world today never to bring them to judgment and to make things right. Even those in our land today are crying out that for the wrongdoer to receive what the penalty of the law says he is to receive. I detect a growing uh, unrest in our country that when individuals can rob and rape and murder and then be eligible for parole in four or five or six years, I detect a growing unrest in our country that seems to be reaching the point of saying we cannot tolerate this mockery of the justice of our laws. Now, if this be true even in the thinking of men, then how much more so if a righteous God would turn his head against all the things that men do and just pretend they never happened and would never bring them to court. Then we read in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 31, after the apostle has preached there to a generation on Mars Hill, which was a generation much like the United States people of today, 
They were Epicurean in philosophy in the sense that they lived for themselves, their own stomachs, whatever that was in it, they asked, what's in this for me? And if it didn't benefit them, then they couldn't care less. And so the apostle preached a sermon, and he concluded his sermon with this thought, He hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man which he hath ordained. You say, Pastor, what kind of results did the apostle get? when he preached to that generation there, that particular congregation. My friend, we read on in the coming and following verses that they mocked and made fun of. But that did not change the truth of it, that there is coming a day in which the righteous judge is going to judge the world in a righteous fashion where that every person will receive at his hands the just deserts of their actions. Now, the wicked shall drink of the sea of God's wrath in that day, but they will not taste one drop of injustice. Now, if you find yourself sort of squeamish in the idea of the justice of God and all of the terrible penalties associated with God's justice, and you find that hard to reconcile with your state of mind, then, I, then may I set this forth. No matter how severe that God judges in that day, there will never be a person which will get an unjust sentence in his law court. They may drink of the sea of his wrath, but they will not receive injustice in that law court. He will not punish a beyond that which anyone deserves, and the righteous judge will bring that out clearly. Many times in our systems, when someone commits a certain crime, why many feel that when the judge hands down a certain sentence, that sentence was far too severe. And others feel, oh, that sentence was not severe enough. But the righteous judge will judge righteously, and no man will be able to stand in that day and say, I didn't get a fair hearing. I am receiving something more than what my sin deserves. No, the God of the earth shall do right. So it will reprove those who would mock and make fun of the day of the fact that there is a coming day of judgment in which that God is going to make right every wrong that's ever been committed from the time that Adam and Eve fell until the time their son Cain took a stone and murdered his brother Abel right on down to the last sin that is ever committed there will come a time in which God will call that into court and reconcile it and make it right. And then justice will prevail throughout the universe. Now the second thing that we'd like to bring out in regard to the justice of God is that this scripture serves as a correction. It serves for reproof, but it also serves for correction. Say, Pastor, how does it do this? The justice of God serves to correct us when we feel, now hear me, we have a right to complain against God's judgments in our lives. Do you ever find yourself complaining about your state in life, whatever it may be, and you find yourself complaining against God and saying, God, I, God, I should get a better shake out of things than this? Now wait just a moment. This scripture, if God be just, and he does not wrong a single person, then this serves to correct our thinking in this area. 
The writer in the book of Lamentations says this. Listen carefully. Chapter 3, verse 39. Why doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? In Ezra 9.13, after the Jews had been taken captive, remember they were taken captive because of their sin, not because God was unjustly punishing them for something they didn't deserve. We read, After all that has come upon us for our evil deeds, and for our great trespass, seeing that thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve. The humble heart, when it finds itself in a circumstance in life whereby it has had some earthly comfort removed from it, the proud heart that all of us possess, now don't get me wrong, and don't you wrong yourself, Every person here today has, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, you have within you an element of pride that would rise up and dethrone God if it could. And when they began to cry out and complain against God, God, I'm, just, I'm not deserving of this. I should get a better shake out of life than what you've given me. Now then remember that the humble heart will say like this, Lord, after all you punished us for our evil deeds, and after all you have inflicted the justice of your law upon us, even then you have punished us less than we deserve. The humbled heart will say today, oh yes, all of this has come upon me, but I've done far more things that are deserving far more of this than what you've given us. How ungrateful are we as an American people? We cry and complain when the electricity goes off. And yet all around the world, why half of the world doesn't even have the comforts of air conditioning, such as what the New York section went through here uh, last week. Incidentally, I'll throw in a little extra here. Uh, if any of you here still want to cling to this thing of the basic goodness of man, you let New York City be a lesson to that. You'll see the animal instincts come out of man when the circumstances were permitted. Now let that be a lesson also. That same animal instinct that dwells in those people that would cause them to go out and destroy businesses and take other people's possessions lives within you and it lives within me. And given a proper circumstance within your heart and within mine, there is that nature there that would rise up and do things which you may think, oh, I would never be guilty of. You wait just till the right circumstances come along, and you'll be surprised what you can justify yourself with doing. You just wait till the things are just right, the way that maybe there's no food, and you've got two or three kids here to feed, and you know your neighbor over here has a refrigerator full of food, and yet you're a Christian family and yet your kids are starving. You wait till the circumstances just get right, and you'll find within you what you're capable of doing by nature. Yes, even though that neighbor may be someone whom you thought a lot of, if he refuses to share that food with you, and yet at the same time you know that your own flesh and blood are starving, the nature of man will take matters into its own hands, just like those individuals did here last week. But we as a people are prone to say, no matter how much we're blessed with, we deserve more. 
But the humble people of God say, I don't care what you do, Lord, even then you haven't dealt with me really what I deserve. Now, you want to see an example of that in the Bible? See Job. He was a man who had a great family, lovely wife, children, had possessions, lands, farms, servants, and he was a great man. He was a Christian man. And yet God permitted the devil to come and just one circumstance after another, he removed all of these earthly comforts from the life of Job. And yet what did Job say? He said, well, Lord, I'm just not getting a fair shake out of things. Is that what he said? No, he said, Lord, you gave them to me. They're yours. And you took them back to your own. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So you see, this serves to correct us. When we get this thinking, I have something more coming to me than really what I'm deserving of at the hands of God. Now, you maybe I'm not speaking to many, too many people here today if you think this is practical to your life. But my friend, there may be coming a day very shortly in which that that health that you have now beating vibrantly within your body may be smitten. And you may have to spend a few months, a few days, even the remainder of your life without that health that you enjoy now. And may you think back to this moment now then, and may you be enabled by the grace of God to say, Oh, well, Lord, even for all that I've done, the way I failed you, the way that I sinned against you, even this, I'm deserving of far more. Yes, this correction, well, this truth of God's justice will serve to correct us when we would complain against God's dealing with us in our life. Now, just a minute, before we leave this point, that doesn't mean that you will be able to understand God's dealings in your life. That doesn't mean that you'll be able to sit there on God's, on the dunghill with Job and say, well, now, I understand every reason what you're doing this for. No, Job didn't. And incidentally, there was a case in which the that we must bow to the wisdom and the judgment of God because we read the Bible says Job was a just man and that's right. Did he get an unjust day in court? Did God treat him unjustly? We must bow before the revelation of God and say, God, you know the best and shall not the judge of all the earth be right. You read the story how it came out. You'll find that everything that Job lost, God doubled in the end. And that's what God's going to do for you and I. You may think, well, I'm losing out here in this life. I'm not getting along the way the Joneses are getting along. Just a minute, there's a day of reckoning time. And every discomfort and everything that you suffer here in this life is going to be rewarded sometimes in this life and in the life to come. A thousandfold, our Lord said. So God will make things right. Now finally, in instruction, if this can serve to reprove us and to correct us, it can also serve to instruct us. That if God deals with us in this way, then let us deal with each other in a just and fashionable way. Let the golden rule of Christ be observed. You know, remember what that is in Matthew chapter 7 verse 12? Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, even so do ye to them, for this is the law and the prophets. 
You want to take, you say, Pastor Gables, I don't understand all this here in the Old Testament. In fact, I have a little problem in the New Testament. But all of these pages here, I don't understand what all that's teaching. All right, now here's what Jesus says the summary of it is. All of the teaching of the Law and the Prophets is this, that you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you treat your neighbor as you would have your neighbor treat you. That's your human responsibility before God. And this is the summary of it all. And you say, well, if that's all there is to it, then I'll do that. Wait a minute, that's not quite all there is to it, or else Jesus would never have had to come and die. But the problem in your heart and mine is that we want our neighbor to treat us right, but there's an evil propensity here within us that we want to have the right to sometimes demand out of our neighbor more than we have a right to. We feel we ought to have a right to steal and to cheat and to take that which belongs to others, but we sure don't want others to do that to us. So that's why Christ had to come and die on the cross of Calvary, so that where we have failed in our ability, he might impart unto us an ability to love God and our fellow man. But now listen, if God is just in his dealings toward us, then we have a responsibility to be just in our dealings with each other. How would you like to be treated? You're married. You have a wife. You have some children. How would you like someone else to treat you? Let's say here, uh, uh, another, another man. How would you like them to treat you? Well, for one thing, you'd want him to leave your wife alone. Wouldn't you? But, on the other hand, our thinking is today, yes, I don't want him to bother with my wife, but I want to have the right to run around with his. You see, what the essence of it is, and you can go right down the Ten Commandments, take every one of those, and those are just laws. No person would want those to have other people do those things to them. But the human heart of man wants the right to have it to do it to others if it's in their interest to do so. But if God be just, then we have a responsibility to be just before God and before our fellow men. Now finally, this should serve to instruct us in comfort. To the repentant sinner, the invitation of a just God is this. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. To any person that comes to Jesus Christ, there is the promise of a just God, I will not turn you out. To any child that comes to their parents and say, Father, I have done wrong like the prodigal did, the arms of the Father will encircle them in love. Justice will be met there. Mercy and peace shall kiss each other. And as an earthly father has the capacity for forgiveness and justice, when someone comes and asks for mercy, so the heavenly father, you can be assured that if you will come to him as a repentant sinner and ask for mercy, the invitation is, Come, all of you that are laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and what? Anybody know? What is it? Just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is there anyone here this morning, man, woman, boy, or girl, that you're afraid if you came to God and you asked him for forgiveness of your sins, that he would refuse to do so? Is there anyone that is afraid that God would not forgive you of your sin if you ask him to do so? Then may I give you the promise of God as he has revealed to you in his word, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, he's not like you and I. Sometimes we may say, I forgive, but yet we hold a grudge against those who wrong us. Not so with God. God is a just God. And when that person asks for mercy, that just God cancels the dead of their sin as removes it as far as the east is from the west, never to be charged to them again. Now, this is why that if there is anyone that is burdened under the load of sin this morning, come into the court of God's law court of the universe and acknowledge that according to his justice you deserve condemnation. But also acknowledge that according to his promise, he has said that to any person who seeks me, he shall find. To any person that knocks, it shall be opened unto him. To any person that asks, it shall be given him. And to know that you're in the hands of a just God who is capable of taking the growth and law that you have committed and placing it upon his Son, and their justice is met, and the righteousness of his Son imparted to you. Oh, to any sinner here today, we offer you the free offer of grace in the gospel. Come even now. Are you hungry? Come in peace, for he is good. He is just. And he will forgive if you will but come. Will you come even now? Will you see him? Will you come to God in mercy and receive justice through the grace of God in the person of his Son? Shall we stand together?